Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Good morning. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to The Cause Church. 8.30 looking good. Morning, people. Morning people are so annoying. So I wish I was a morning person, but I'm not. So anyways, we love you. I was thinking about this. <laughs> I was thinking about this before church started this morning. I, I, I mean this sincerely. I love you very much, but thank you for being here. Because I was thinking church every weekend is kind of like throwing a party and you're just hoping people are going to show up. And you guys showed up today and you show up every week. So thanks so much. Did you enjoy Michael Jr. last weekend, by the way? What a unique message. My friend Michael is such a good guy. Great. If you missed it, you ought to go back and watch it. He talked about conflict, and it was just so interesting, his perspective, and of course, funny. Speaking of funny, you can be the judge of that in a moment. Little girl asked her mother, how did the human race appear, mom? The mom said, well, that's easy. God made Adam and Eve, and they had children, and all of mankind was made. Two days later, the girl went to her father, asked the same question, and the father said, many years ago, there were monkeys from which the human race evolved. The confused girl went back to her mother and said, Mom, how is it possible that you told me that the human race was created by God, and Dad said that they developed from monkeys? And the mom says, honey, that's easy. I told you about my side of the family. Your father told you about his side of the family. My favorite is when you, when you say something that you think is funny and everybody else is just looking at you like, no. Makes it funnier to me. This weekend we start a new series called Origins, Back to the Beginning, and it's based on the first few chapters of, of Genesis. I think it'll probably be at least a, a four-week series. You could spend a long time on it, but we won't, uh, we won't spend the rest of the year on it, but we'll take a couple of weeks. You know, everything in life has a beginning. At one point, your nice new car was actually brand new and came off the assembly line with zero miles. Now you've been driving it for 10 years and it has 225,000 miles and you want to get a new one. Many successful entrepreneurs began their businesses in their garage. The civil rights movement began as a dream in the hearts of some determined individuals. Even think back to when you fell in love when you met your spouse before you were married and you started dating or courting and those feelings of love had, had a beginning in your heart. Or when, when you began to drink coffee after you had kids. <laughs> Anybody remember that? Now you're up to three or four cups a day to try to keep up with your little guys running around or your kids. <clears throat> the Bible begins with the book of Genesis and Genesis means beginning. And Genesis, of course, addresses the beginnings of many things, many critical things in life. Talk, talks about the universe and the earth and human life and gender and marriage and sexuality. By the way, we're going to address, uh, in, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about gender. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about sexuality. Um, and uh, anyways, get ready for that. So um, it talks about sin. It talks about death and redemption. And so Genesis is a foundational book in the Bible. I think that if you don't understand Genesis properly, you're going to have a hard time understanding the rest of Scripture. 
There's things that just aren't really going to make sense to you. And not only that, I think that if you don't really understand Genesis, you're not going to understand a lot of things about your life. Let me mention to you, and, and this, is, this is a very, very important truth. If you're a Jesus follower, if you know the Lord, every, every person has a worldview. It's the lens through which you you see and experience the world and make decisions. If you're a Jesus follower, your worldview ought to be based on this. <laughs> and primarily this alone. I mean, it can be you know, influenced by other things, but the foundation is this. Let me say it differently. You need to have a good word view to have a proper worldview. And what God says about issues Men and women, that is more important than what anybody else says or thinks about it, including you. So when you hear about opinions or theories or thoughts that contradict the word of God, which are you going to choose? Are you going to believe the word of man or are you going to believe the word of God? And by the way, in case you didn't notice, the words and opinions of man change all of the time. They are constantly changing, even including science. Even, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning of your Bible. Genesis was written by Moses, who was inspired, of course, by the Holy Spirit, as, as all Scripture was. And Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's called the Pentateuch. Probably this was written around 1440 B.C. That's what most scholars think. Genesis is quoted or referred to in the New Testament, by the way, more than 200 times. So we know, it's one of the ways, obviously, that we know that, that it's important. <laughs> it might be the most read book. It's certainly one of the most read books probably in all the Bible because, come on, how many of us have started a read the Bible in a year program? We do pretty good in Genesis. We might make it through Exodus. By the time we get to Leviticus, we've forgotten about it. <laughs> but we've read Genesis many times. Genesis chapter 1. In fact, go ahead and stand your feet if you would. I like to do this as we read Scripture. Genesis chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would speak to us today. Let us hear your voice. Give us fresh revelation today, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit. We have ears to hear, hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In fact, read it, read it together from your Bible. I'm reading out of New King James, or read it from, this, from the screen. Ready, go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 says this. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. I'll, I'll read, you guys. You can relax. <laughs> Thank, good job jumping in, though. <laughs> and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now you can, we'll skip, you can read it on your own later. That's day one. We're going to skip to verse 24. We're going to go to day six. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. 
And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And now verse 31, then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. As you're seated, look at the person next to you and say, God obviously spent some extra time creating you. Come on, tell somebody. <laughs> I was trying to help out the married people or maybe the single people. You just got to be sitting next to the right person. <clears throat> Title of my message is In the Beginning, God. In the Beginning, God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the first verse of the Bible begins where it should. It begins with God. In the beginning, God. The Hebrew word for God there is Elohim, which actually is a plural noun, which some scholars, not all, but some scholars think emphasizes the, the triune nature of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's used 32 times in Genesis chapter 1 alone. God Elohim created the word for that in Hebrew is bara, which means to create, to form, or fashion, to produce. <clears throat> By the way, God is, is always the subject of the verb bara in its standard form. So in other words, creating is something that only God can do. That's his job. And then the rest of the chapter addresses God creating everything visible in the universe in six days. I want to very quickly answer two questions, and then I want to give you three truths from what we just read. Number one, first question I just want to ask and answer, is the creation account in Genesis allegorical or historical? Well, I think without a doubt, in my opinion, it is clearly historical. One of the reasons is that Jesus often quotes the Old Testament. And whenever Jesus quotes the Old Testament, at least in my studies, if you see something else, you can show me. But whenever Jesus quotes the Old Testament, he, has a, he seems to have a literal historical approach. When he talks about Jonah in the belly of a great fish for three days, he quotes it as if it happened, not as an allegory. In fact, when Jesus, Jesus mentions Genesis chapter 1 two different times, here's one of them. Mark chapter 13, verse 19. Jesus is talking about tribulation in the last days, and he says, for in those days there will be tribulation such as, such as has not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. In other words, Jesus affirms that creation is historical. <laughs> and if anybody should know, it would be him. He was the one doing the creating, <laughs> in case you forgot. <clears throat> I think this is important because if you begin to take the creation story as an allegory, as figurative language, as not historical, then you start to do that very quickly with other parts of the Bible. 
and you go down what I think is a slippery slope theologically because then it becomes relatively easy for you to dismiss or ignore or explain away things in scripture that you don't agree with. And as I just said a minute ago, men and women, you don't have to understand everything. In fact, you don't even have to agree with everything, but you do need to believe it. And by the way, if you don't agree with it, it or believe it, it doesn't make it any less true. You're the one who needs to change. God's word ain't gonna change. And we take very seriously here scripture. We hold a very extremely high value of scripture. And not all churches do that anymore, by the way. In fact, Paul writes in his letters, he says, in the last days, beware of false teachers who will tell you what your itching ears wanna hear. <laughs> I don't ever wanna be accused of that. You might say, right, Pastor, I don't like what you said, but at least it was based on the word of God, as I understand it, because I have to give an account of God for, for my life. In fact, the Bible says teachers are gonna be judged even stricter. That's a scary thought, man. Jesus, have mercy on me. The Bible's not a buffet. <laughs> it's not hometown buffet. It's not going over to your aunt's house on Thanksgiving. It's not like, give me some extra mashed potatoes and pumpkin pie, and I ain't eating any peas or green beans today. Give me some of that blessing. Give me some of that stuff about success. Give me some of this, but that stuff about, you know, sex outside of marriage, that stuff about gossip or lying. I don't really, I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> Watch out if that's your approach to scripture. Here's the second question. Do science and Genesis conflict? Do science and Genesis conflict? And let me give you a very short answer this morning. Not necessarily. If you want, to, if you want the full explanation that I gave last night, you can watch Saturday night service. I don't have time this morning. By the way, I see the Lewis brothers back there. Those are smart guys back there. Chet, Jack. Where's Luke? Where is Luke? He's working. All right. Well, let me, let me tell you guys real, real quick. There are two kind of primary, I picked those guys out because those are sharp guys and they like science. I've, I've talked to them about it. They ask good questions. There are two primary, not exclusive, but two primary scientific uh, viewpoints that affirm creation and both are a little bit different. One is called young earth creationism. The other is called old earth creationism. In fact, go ahead and put up that slide with the, uh, the resources up there with the websites. If you're interested, you can study this on your own. Basically, uh, old earth creationists believe that the earth is about 13.7 billion years old, which is what some scientists believe. One of the ways they believe that in scripture is because in Genesis chapter one, the word day is yom or yom, Y-O-M. And that word day can be translated a whole lot of different ways. It can mean, sometimes it refers to a literal 24-hour period. Sometimes it refers to an indefinite period of time. And so they translate that word to mean in, in days, not literal 24 hours, but maybe, maybe millions or billions of years. That's called old earth creationism. Young earth creationism believes that the earth is six to 10,000 years old. <laughs> That's a slight difference, isn't there? <laughs> and they, they interpret the word day as a literal 24-hour period. Listen, you can do your own research and come to your own conclusion. I think this is an important issue, but this is not essential to your salvation. If you don't care about it, then don't care about it. When you die and you stand before God and face judgment, I don't think, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure God's not going to ask you a question. Son, tell me, how old is the earth? 
eh, wrong answer. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I think he is going to say, hey, who do you believe my son Jesus is? He will ask you something like that. <laughs> So you can believe what you want. And by the way, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I know this will come as a shock and surprise to many of you, but I'm not a scientist. None of you look shocked or surprised by that statement. But I do know a scientist. I have a good friend, actually. I'm being serious right now. I have a good friend named Stephen Ichiru, and you might want to write this down. I don't know if we have a slide for this. On Tuesday, May 31st, not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday, at seven o'clock, Stephen is coming. Stephen has his doctorate in physics from Caltech, and now he's a pastor, <laughs> which I've always thought is super hilarious. Um, but he, he loves the Lord, and he's gonna come, and he's gonna do about a two-hour class. He will answer all of your questions. He's calling it Science and Creation. In fact, let me read you the, the synopsis he, he sent me. He said, it's a common belief today that the biblical creation account contradicts the origins of life and the universe as described by science. But did you know that Genesis chapters one and two and our current scientific understanding are actually quite compatible with each other? All right, so if you wanna come, I'll be there. <laughs> There'll probably be questions and answers that I won't even understand. I'll have to go and ask Tim, what does that mean? But Tuesday, May 31st, so you can come and be part of that. All right, I wanna give you now, I wanna give you three key truths about God the creator that we see from Genesis 1. Number one is this. God is the eternal creator who by the power of his words spoke everything into existence. A couple years ago for Christmas, I bought Jenny a bike. <laughs> you ever do something and at the time, it seems like a good idea. And then you think back a few years later, and you think, what was I thinking? This was one of those moments. I bought Jenny a bike, but the bike, I didn't buy it assembled. I bought it in pieces. And if any of you know me, you know I'm not handy. And I remember going over to my parents. It was around Christmas time. I think they were having a Christmas party. And I walked in with this big box. I go into this back room, and I'm in there for about an hour, and I'm making no progress. I empty out this box and there's like, I knew right away, I'm in trouble. About an hour into it, my dad comes in and he opens up the door, he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to build a bike and he started laughing at me. He literally just started laughing at me and then he walked out, because he knows. After about an hour of extreme frustration and anger, I don't know if I said any curse words or not, I don't think I did, but anyways, I thought, forget this, I'm taking it somewhere, I'm gonna have somebody else build this thing. I don't know if you're handy, I don't know if you can build bikes, if you can build houses, if you can fix cars, but you can't do what God does. <laughs> you can't build a redwood tree. You can't build a mountain. You can't build a sunset. You can't build a solar system. In fact, of course, you know, the word build isn't even the proper word because if you're gonna build something, you have to use existing materials. God created. He didn't use no materials, he just created. Listen, let me, let me talk to you for a moment. Let, put the Bible aside just for a minute. Let's just talk logic and philosophy for a moment. It has, it has never made sense to me. To me, it takes much more faith, much more trust, much more belief 
to believe that all of us are here right now. Everything that we see with our eyes is just a cosmic accident. That something, and that, by the way, scientists have no answer what the something was, but after millions or billions or trillions of years, something just collided and then there was an explosion and then everything just by accident or chance just started to evolve and develop. That makes no sense to me. Take out your phone for a minute. Hold your phone, some of you have your phone. Listen, you, you look at your phone, you know that there was a creator or a designer or an inventor. You know that particles didn't just collide and create your iPhone or your Google phone or whatever kind of phone you have. That doesn't make any sense. Richard Dawkins, who is one of the most esteemed scientists in the whole world, he's an evolutionary biologist, and he is staunchly anti-Christian, by the way. But in the scientific world, he's very respected. I listened to an interview one time with him, and, and the interviewers, Ben Stein interviewed him, kept pressing him, pressing him, pressing him on, on the origins of life. And you know what his answer, I'm not making this up. I, I probably should have showed the clip. His answer finally came down to this. I thought he was kidding when he first said this. I started laughing, and then I realized he was serious. He said, one of the most plausible scientific explanations available today is that aliens came from another planet and seeded our Earth with life. And Ben Stein's jaw dropped open, and he was thinking the same thing. Are you, are you kidding me? It, to me, it takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe that there is an infinite, eternal God who has always existed, who is the uncreated cause, the first cause, who has no beginning and no end, and designed our solar system and our Earth so perfectly. Science affirms that, the fact, that if the Earth was just a little bit further away or a little bit closer, none of this would work. How is this planet spinning at whatever rate it is, and it doesn't just go off into the solar system? They don't really know. <laughs> the Bible says he holds everything in his hand. The Bible says Jesus holds everything together. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching myself happy right now. Colossians chapter 1, John chapter 1, in the beginning. This is John's beginning of the gospel. In the beginning. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that has been made. That sounds like a plausible explanation to me. <laughs> so if you hear or read in school, Lewis Brothers, <laughs> getting ready to graduate, or university, or in a blog, or on social media, if you hear something by an educated fool, because that's what they are, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Let me, let me tell you the origins of the universe since I'm so smart and educated and I have all these letters after my name. How much pride does it take, by the way, to even believe something like that? As smart as Richard Dawkins thinks he is, God is just a little bit smarter than him. Like Coolio said, I'm an educated fool with money on my mind. As a Richard Dawkins, you just want to sell your stupid books. When you hear something from an educated fool, what are you going to put your faith in? 
Is it the word of man or is it the word of God? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith we understand. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God created everything out of nothing, and he didn't do it with his hands. He didn't need to. He just did it with his words. Let there be light, and there was light, and there's been light ever since. <laughs> Here's a question. Since God is powerful enough to create the universe just by speaking, what can I trust him to do in my life? Men and women, listen, if he is the creator and you believe that, he can do anything. Surely he can heal your sickness. Surely he can fix your marriage. Surely he can open up a new job opportunity. Surely he can figure out and make a way for you to buy a house in Southern California. Come on, surely he can deliver you from depression. If he's the creator, and he is, <laughs> he can do anything. Number two is this. God is the all-powerful creator who dispelled darkness, brought order out of chaos, and filled the emptiness. The word without form in Hebrew can be translated chaos. Void can be translated emptiness, and there was also darkness. This is a strange verse, by the way. Theologians, scholars debate over this verse. They seem it, some of them think it doesn't really seem to kind of fit Genesis. The rest of Genesis, it's sort of inserted. Some people think that Genesis 2 is called the, the gap theory, that between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there was a huge, massive gap of, of time, millions or billions of years. But most theologians, not all, but most theologians think, think this. They believe that this is when God threw Satan out of heaven and to the earth. And let me give you a few passages of scripture you can read on your own if you want to. Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28, Ezekiel 28, and Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus says, I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, Luke 10, 18. They describe the angel Lucifer, who we now know as Satan or the devil. There's no nice words the Bible uses about him, but Lucifer, who was one of the three primary angels, the, what the Bible even calls archangels. There were three, seem to be three primary ones that are listed in scripture. One of them is Michael. Michael is the warring angel. He's the one who's in spiritual warfare, warfare, excuse me, warfare and conflict. When we pray, when we pray, Michael's always, he's, he's doing battle. Another one is Gabriel, who's the messenger who delivers the word of God. By the way, think about this for a minute. Think about this prayer, word. The third one was Lucifer, who was in charge of worship. Prayer, word, worship. <laughs> and Lucifer decided at some point, I want to be God. I want to be like God. Who does God think he is getting all the worship? I'm pretty awesome myself. And God says, None of no more of this. Kicks him out of heaven, and a third of the angels fall with him. Now fallen angels are called demons. H Hello, is this making sense? All right, this is a little, <laughs> I don't know if this is too theological, but that, so many scholars think that Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the 
the chaos, the emptiness, the darkness was because Satan had been cast to earth. Maybe, maybe Satan was mocking God and said, what are you going to do about this now? <laughs> and God did something. God said, let there be light, and darkness was dispersed. John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. In fact, some theologians think that when God said, let there be light, because God created the sun a few days later, that God just opened up, opened up the earth at that time and just revealed a little bit of himself, and light just started to penetrate and push out all that darkness. And God said, let's bring form to this chaos. And so the first three days, day one, two, and three, when you read the Genesis account, God created the forms or the broad categories of existence. And by the way, scientists, if they look at it, said, this is the perfect order that things need to happen in. So God created form. He brought order to the chaos. And listen, this is important because God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And a lot of people, even Christians, do things out of order. We go and buy cars that we can't afford. We start living with people and sleeping with people that we're not married to. We make major life decisions before we seek God and hear from him. Come on, we buy tickets to the Dodgers game before checking the calendar and realizing it's our spouse's birthday. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's out of order, okay? So God brings order to chaos, and then God says, let's fill this emptiness. And day four, he just fills the solar system. Sun, moon, stars. Days five and six, he fills it with sea, uh, sea life and birds and land animals and then human beings. Out of darkness, God brought light to creation. Out of chaos, he brought order. Out of emptiness, he brought fullness. And by the way, men and women, he does the same, same thing in your life and my life. Come on, how many of you can testify that Jesus came in and he pushed out the darkness? that he brought, he brought order and peace to the chaos of your life, that he filled your life. The Bible says he fills my life with good things. Isn't that a beautiful verse? He fills my life with good things. Psalm 23, my cup runs over. He fills my cup, my cup runneth over, King James. And his goodness and his mercy follow me all the days of my life. Somebody say amen. Amen. Here's a, here's a question. Is there any part of my life that is dark or chaotic or empty that needs God's power? Here's number three. Here's my last point. Number three, God is the loving creator who created the universe, including me, including you, including us, because he loves us. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us, Make man in our image, in our likeness. That's a reference to the, the Trinity, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the, the Holy Spirit. Why did God create the universe, our solar system, and us human beings? It's not because he was bored. <laughs> it's not because he was lonely. God has always existed in perfect fellowship within himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God, in other words, God did not need to create anything. He chose to. And men and women, the reason he chose to 
is simple. It's one word, love. He chose to because of love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, God is love. Not God has love. Not even God is loving. He is. God is love. It is his very essence. It is his very nature. Pure and perfect and holy love. And you and I, human beings, we are the focus of his love. We are his, by far, we are his most valuable creation. Read Genesis 1. God creates planets, stars, solar systems. <laughs> by the way, if you just Google how many stars are in the universe, you'll get all different kinds of answers. Nobody knows. One answer I saw is one is, is there is one septillion, which is one with 24 zeros behind it. They don't know. They're just guessing. They don't even know how many stars for sure are in our own galaxy. And the Bible says this, that he, that God calls, that he, let me read it. I better, I'm going I'm to quote it. I better quote it right. This was in my earlier notes that I skipped. Where is it? Here it is. Psalm 147, verse 4, he counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. That's beautiful. I don't, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's allegorical. I think God actually named them. All septillion of them. <laughs> I have a hard time remembering the names of my three children. Come on. God, he can, and you know what, the, what it says in Psalm 147 right before that? He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. In other words, men, men and women, this infinitely powerful God is infinitely pers personable. And, and you are his utmost creation. You are the one that he loves more than anything. He created all the stars. He created all the mountains. He created all this stuff. And he said, that's good. <laughs> good job. Good job. I did a good job. It's good. And then he created humankind, and he said, this is very good. You are very good. In fact, God loves you so much that he thought about you before you were even born. Before you were even a thought in your parents' mind. Come on. Before the bow, chicka, bow, bow. Come on. Before you were even born. Isaiah 44, verse 2, I am your creator. You are in my care even before you were born. Some of you were told growing up by mom or dad or step-parent or somebody, you're a mistake, you're an accident. We didn't want you. We didn't plan on you. And I, wanted, I wanted to abort you, but your dad didn't let me. Listen, men and women, God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make accidents. God, God loved you before you were even born. And listen, you are alive, you are breathing right now. Your heart is beating right now because God loves you. Let me, and, and not only that, God loves you so much, I'm gonna close with this. God loves you so, that means nothing when you're preaching, by the way. Um, God loves you so much that he thought about you, listen, not even just before you were born, but before he even created the world. Ephesians, you think, where does it say that? Ephesians chapter one, verse four. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ 
to be holy and without fault in his eyes. I'm going to read that again. Even before he made the world, God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So whatever your perspective is on how old the universe is, tens of thousands of years ago, before God said, before in the beginning, before God said, let there be light, he was thinking about you. Ted, he was thinking about you. Richard Anakire, he was thinking about you. Mark and Tammy, he was thinking about you. If you have an old earth perspective, that's even better. <laughs> 13.7 billion years ago. <laughs> Cindy, God was thinking about you. That, that, that's unbelievable to me. He thought about you. He thought about what, what color skin you were going to have. He thought about what you were going to look like. He thought about when you were going to be born, where you were going to be born, who your parents were going to be, what family he was going to put you in, how he was going to create you, how he was going to gift you, what he was going to do in and through your life. how he was going to save you. Men and women, I don't know how good of a job I did tonight, but listen. Has God's love changed your life? Or, or, have, you had, have you had a fresh revelation, in other words, of the power and the majesty and the awesomeness of our Creator? The same the same one, the same God, the same creator in the beginning, God, the same one who said, let there be light, and there was light. That same voice, men and women, speaks to you and I today. And from the beginning, it was his plan, not just to create you, but to save you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 Sin comes into the world, and God says, I'm going to, says to Eve, your seed, your seed is going to crush the head of this serpent, prophesying about the Savior, prophesying about the Messiah, that at the right time, he sent his only son, Jesus. He is the creator, and he is the Savior. Somebody say amen. In fact, close your eyes for a moment, if you would. Let's just take a moment in the presence of God Almighty, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the creator of the universe. And why don't you just ask him, Jesus, speak to me. Let me hear your creative, powerful, saving voice.
can open up your eyes if you want, but maybe maybe you're here today and or you're watching online and you don't know the Lord. You're not in relationship with Him. God created you, listen, because He loves you and because He wants to have a relationship with you. If that doesn't blow your mind, He loved you so much that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, came and lived a perfect, sinless, holy life. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, just like you and I are, yet he was without sin. The sinless Son of God, the Word of God, the, the Creator came to his own creation and lived for us, lived for you, lived for me, and he died for you, men and women. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so he hung up on the cross and he shed his blood. And the reason he did that was to reconcile you, to bring you into relationship with God. And not only that, three days later after he died, he rose from the dead because death could not hold him. Because he is God incarnate, God Almighty. He's raised from the dead. Death is defeated. Sin is defeated. The power of the devil is defeated over your life. And he offers us abundant and eternal life, men and women. But we have to receive it. Because you are created in God's image, you have free will. So you can choose to receive him or reject him. You can believe in whatever you want. But he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the light. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So if you've never made that decision before to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Some people say, you know, invite him into your heart. That's true. You're, you're inviting him into your life, but you're really surrendering your life to him and saying, Jesus, be my savior. Save me from my sins. Be my Lord, meaning that I, I'm going to live my life for you. I'm not going to live life for myself or for somebody else or, or for something else. I'm going to live my life for you. Maybe you've never made that decision before, but you're ready today. Maybe you have. Maybe you prayed a prayer, but you walked away from the Lord and you find yourself here today and missing God's love and presence in your life. You know something? God doesn't expect perfection from you. He's not interested in your perfection. Jesus was perfect. He's not interested in your perfection, but he is interested in your direction. And if you would just begin to head towards his son and head towards the cross, he'll do the rest. <laughs> he'll, he'll push out the darkness and the chaos and the emptiness of your life. Listen, if you're ready here today with, to, to give your life to the Lord, on the count of three, say, John, I want to make that decision for the first time or I'm coming back to the Lord. Maybe you're watching online. You can do that too. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand and look at me. One, two, three. Raise your hand and look at me. See you there, friend. Thank you. Anybody else here this morning? Praise God. Ma'am, I see you right there. Anybody else? That's so awesome. Wow, wow. Yes, sir. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to lead all of us in a prayer of salvation and confession this morning. In fact, go ahead and stand to your feet because we're going to do one other thing in a minute. For those two people who just responded to the Lord, this is for you. Let's all pray this prayer. Listen, if you're praying this and you mean it sincerely, you mean it in your heart, everything changes in this moment. Let's pray this prayer. Just repeat after me. Say, God, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all of my sin. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to live for you. 
Make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that this morning, church? Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.